Boy, did I have a rant lined up for you. But it was a day early. We were going to record our DCA Wednesday episode in just 24 hours. And we had just done the Bitcoin Pizza Day episode. And the price action, despite going sideways for the last week, between 29, 30,000, whatever, uh, there was quite a bit to talk about. And then just everything changed again. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. you sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast today is wednesday may 25th 2022 and that means it is dca wednesday as i alluded to in the intro there is a whole lot for me to rant about this week and it seems like it it just kind of kept getting worse and worse um our rights are under assault all of our rights are under assault and i don't want to turn this into a negative episode so i'm going to try and keep it brief The main reason we're here today is to grow our stack of Satoshis as we do every Wednesday on DCA Wednesday. Um, But there is a lot to talk about and um, and it it there's some things that need to be said, even though they're not exactly the uh, most optimistic or happiest things to talk about. Before we get into that, though, real quick, a look at the vital statistics. We are currently sitting at a block height of seven hundred thirty seven thousand nine hundred and five. And Bitcoin is currently valued twenty. At, Bitcoin's currently valued at twenty nine thousand seven hundred and eighty five dollars, or three thousand three hundred and fifty seven sats per cuck buck. That is down just a smidge from our Bitcoin Pizza Day celebration, um, but um, not a whole lot. What is down about two hundred and twenty dollars or so, less than less than three hundred dollars off from our price on Sunday. Uh, you know, a lot of Bitcoin podcasts don't like to discuss price, and and I understand that price is a distraction. Um, you know, you shouldn't focus on the price. They say don't check the price, just stack and look forward to the future. But obviously, when you're doing a dollar cost average podcast, you, you need to pay attention to the price because, hey, we're buying Bitcoin and the price is an important part of that. So, um we're not going to dwell on the price too much, but it has been kind of range bound for about a month now, uh, bouncing between about 29,000 and 30,000. Uh, so hopefully maybe we're seeing a bottom here. Although, uh, Corey Clipston was just on, I think it was on the cafe Bitcoin podcast. And he was talking about, um, while he would be happy to see a bottom here and he really hopes it doesn't happen. You know, if we have a repeat of the last crypto winner, um, things kind of hovered around the $6,000 mark until all of a sudden they just plunged to 3000 something in that final capitulation before we went into the next 20, you know, the next halving cycle bull run. And, uh, there were a couple of points he made, you know, the first point is about the fact that in Bitcoin's entire history, after Bitcoin has established a new all time high, it never falls back below the previous all time high. So using that logic, if history were to repeat itself, once Bitcoin made its new all-time high of 69000 or so, 
it would never fall below the previous cycle's all-time high, which was about $20,000, a little, little under $20,000. But he said that Bitcoin will not be a mature asset until it actually does that, um, until it actually does plunge below its previous all-time high. Uh, and the, he had his reasons for that. And you can go back and listen to him on the Cafe Bitcoin podcast because it was pretty fantastic. He dove into a lot of interesting subjects, including Luna and the stock-to-flow model, etc., but uh, again, he said that he would hope to see this cycle play out just like the last cycle. And maybe after the next halving, it would be okay if Bitcoin soared up to a new all-time high, 150, 200,000, whatever, and then plunges down to below the 69,000. Maybe it hits 60 or 65. Um, and hey, wouldn't we all love that if Bitcoin crashes to $65,000 again in just a couple of years? Anyway, along, um, along the price news along the, the along the price discussion back to the vital statistics if you wanted to trade your shiny metal rocks it will cost you 16.1 ounces of gold to buy just one bitcoin that is pretty close to the 16.2 ounces of gold that it would take to purchase one bitcoin just last sunday on our bitcoin pizza day episode and a little bit more than the last dca wednesday which was at 16 ounces so the price of Bitcoin and the price of gold have both been kind of sideways for the last couple of weeks or so. And speaking of Bitcoin Pizza Day, it will cost you, a correction, one Bitcoin will purchase you 1,785 Papa John's pizzas, down just a tiny bit from the 1,802 it would have purchased you on Bitcoin Pizza Day, this Bitcoin Pizza Day, of course. 12 years ago, it would have cost you 10,000 Bitcoin for just two Papa John's pizzas. Um, Boy, have things changed. One price, uh, one barrel, I'm stuttering today, I don't know why, pardon me. One barrel of oil will cost you 382,689 sats. So that's a little bit more than last Wednesday, but not dramatically, despite the fact that oil has gone up from $109 a barrel to $114 a barrel in that same time frame. Uh, it has gotten slightly more expensive in Bitcoin terms, but only uh, about 8,000 sats. So uh, that isn't that big of a change, really, in Bitcoin terms. Bitcoin's current market capitalization is $546.7 billion, nowhere near the $1 trillion that we hit at our all-time high, darn near 50% of that. Um, so we are down quite a bit, obviously, and... Uh, this is definitely, I don't think there's any way around calling it a bear market. I don't know if we're in a crypto winner, if that, if we're forming that bottom. Plan B tweeted, what, a week ago or so that, that uh, he thought we were searching for a bottom. And he has some new metrics that he's pimping. Um, well, he has new charts he's pimping and new metrics, new, new models based on the moving averages and things like that. Um, but again, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And so... We don't try and make price predictions. Everybody's got a price prediction, it seems like, and they're all over the board. If Bitcoin follows its history, if history doesn't necessarily repeat but rhymes, uh, we're going to be sideways-ish, even if we do see another plunge in a final capitulation like we did in 2019, or, you know, it was, it was relatively short-lived, and then Bitcoin recovered, and we were on the upslope for the, you know, the, the year or so after the halving. 
The mempool is relatively clear. There's just 1,339 transactions pending, um, but that's still going to take two blocks to clear because some of them are fairly large transactions. And we just had a block less than a minute ago, so the mempool is a little busier um, than it had been all last month, but nowhere near as busy as a couple weeks ago when there were 125 blocks jamming up the mempool or blocks worth of transactions jamming up the mempool. That being said, one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day, although it is estimated that it will take 17 sats per byte to guarantee that you're in the next block. That is up two cents from the 15 sats per byte that it was going to take you to guarantee the next block on Sunday. Um, and from the 16 cents, 16 sats per byte that it was going to take last DCA Wednesday. So still nowhere near as crazy expensive, crazy expensive as we had seen it. And that is despite the fact that on-chain transactions have uh, really ramped up. As you know, the metric that I really like to follow the most, the one that I put the most weight in, is the on-chain 24-hour transaction rate. And that is currently zipping along at 3.39 transactions per second. If you remember, it was just 2.44 transactions per second on Sunday. And of course, its transaction volume tends to be lower on the weekends. The exchanges and institutional traders don't tend to be using, making transactions on chain. You know, they even though Bitcoin never sleeps, uh, a lot of the exchanges are still stuck on the bankers' hours, the old financial model. And so Bitcoin just seems to slow down on the weekends. Transaction volume of Bitcoin, of course, Bitcoin never slows down, as Andreas Antonopoulos likes to say, and everybody else likes to say now, TikTok next block. Bitcoin never stops, but transaction volume does tend to taper off on the weekends, at least on chain. And as you know, I like to see it above three transactions per second. Last DCA Wednesday, we were just barely there at 3.01 transactions per second. So 3.39 transactions per second is a lot more activity. Uh, so Bitcoin is out there moving. And that is despite the fact that there was just an article published. I don't remember the exact number, but it was something around 12 million Bitcoin has not moved in more than a year. So despite the fact that there will be 21 million and that we're at 19 million Bitcoin in existence right now, only 9 million of that, you know, less than half is actually out there moving in terms of liquidity, in terms of Bitcoin available for purchase. And some of that is just living in exchange databases. So pretty good to see 3.39 transactions per second on chain, especially since that doesn't include what's going on amongst uh, lightning nodes between private lightning channels and even public lightning channels. The only time lightning transactions show up on chain is when you open or close a channel. And as you know, you can keep a channel open infinitely uh, in theory and keep trading back and forth on the lightning, not trading, but sending your Bitcoin back and forth on the lightning network. Uh, and that will never reflect as uh, an on-chain uh, uh, that will never reflect on-chain until that until that channel is finally closed. We just had a difficulty adjustment a few hours ago. It was a minus four point three percent difficulty adjustment. That was a huge decrease. We are currently one thousand nine hundred and sixty-seven blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment. That's scheduled to be about June 9th. Uh, so you know it works out to about every two weeks we have a difficulty adjustment and obviously that's fluid just like the having is based on how fast blocks are actually coming in if blocks did come in every 10 minutes as the uh every 10 minutes on average as as bitcoin is programmed to do or bitcoin is programmed to aim for 
Then, of course, the halving would be every four years, and there'd be a difficulty adjustment every two weeks. But the reason we have the difficulty adjustment is because blocks never seem to come in at an average of 10 minutes, because the hash rate, the amount of power dedicated to mining and securing the blockchain, changes. And currently, blocks are averaging 9 minutes and 26 seconds this difficulty epoch. So obviously, if that keeps up, uh, we're going to have to give up some of that difficulty decrease and, uh, and, and, and uh, that difficulty is going to go back up. How much? Who knows? Because like I said, 1,967 blocks is a long ways away. And right now, estimates range anywhere between an increase of 0.2% all the way to as much as 6.3%. Of course, anything can happen uh, in the next two weeks. So uh, that number won't be reliable until we get a heck of a lot closer to the next difficulty adjustment. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, difficulties, uh, Cedric Youngleman had a really great podcast the other day, yesterday, I think it was, talking about um, energy usage and things like that. But one of the things I took away from it is he said something along the lines of psychopaths will always use, maybe sociopaths, basically people who want to control you or manipulate you will always use an individual's desire to care against them. People will always play your emotions against you. And I don't have to get into the disgusting, heinous things that occurred yesterday, but keep in mind, um, you are going to be played and you are going to be manipulated. And there are people who will use tragedies to take your rights away from you. Before that occurred, the current outrage was the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, where we had that absolute evil woman say, quote, I, on stage and on camera, recorded for everyone to see. They're not hiding this. This is official World Economic Forum broadcast. Quote, I think that we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights. And she wasn't talking about making sure human rights are protected. She said she was, but basically what she was saying is that your free speech, she went on to say, is going to have to be curtailed so that you can be free from online harassment or free from online violence or some politically correct cycle babble. And that she went on to hint at basically needing a digital ID to access the internet because we need to protect children from being exploited. It's always either about terrorists or the children, right? Uh, and then, of course, later in the day, it was definitely about the children. And many of you might know that this week marks a horrific milestone, the worst mass event ever to occur at a school. And no, it wasn't in Texas. It was in Michigan, and it was in 1927 when some absolute a-hole dynamited a school, killed 38 students and five adults. It was the worst such incident in United States history. It's almost 100 years ago. So the nothing justifies this, but uh, what it shows you is nothing about this is new. People will be evil and they will find ways to be evil. And other evil people, controlling people, sociopaths, psychopaths, the exact sort of people who are drawn to political power, who are drawn to office, out of the power trip and the control trip that they get out of it are using the things that are going on to try and take your rights away from you. All of them. Your First Amendment, your Second Amendment, your Fourth Amendment, your Fifth Amendment have all been under assault this week. Uh, and thank God for Bitcoin because uh, that might be the only, the only guarantee of freedom that we have coming out of this messy 
what looks like is going to be the next couple of years. Uh, again, all of this is being viewed through the frame, in the United States at least, of the fact that this is a major election year. And I said on a previous podcast, or maybe it was on Twitter, something along the lines of uh, everything that happens or everything a politician does or says is first through the lens of the fact that it's an election year, something along those lines. Um, and it is. And um, authoritarians always want more control. Government always wants to get bigger. It's the nature of the beast. The founding fathers knew it, and that's why they enshrined our rights in stone, in writing, something unique we have in the United States that most countries in the world have never had, still don't have. Um, and another outrageous thing I heard someone say, and this was a Bitcoiner, this is someone I respect, said something about the lines of, um, well, it was a very famous podcaster and he's British, so maybe he doesn't understand rights the same way Americans understand rights, but basically said that rights are things that are fluid and evolving, uh, something that we need to continue to strive for. The freedom was a goal, quote unquote, and I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Freedom is the fundamental state, the fundamental basis, the fundamental backbone, the essence, the very being of being human. Humans are born free. Your rights are inalienable. That means the government does not grant you rights. That means you don't strive to be free. That means you are free. And freedom, as the founding fathers of the United States said, is something that you will have to fight for because... They knew that the minute that the ink dried on the Constitution, people would start trying to chip away at it and that you need to be vigilant and you need to defend your rights at all costs. And nasty, bad things are always going to happen in the world, but nobody has ever successfully made it, uh, made bad things stop happening by making them illegal. Almost every heinous thing you can think of is against the law and it still happens. Uh, another thing that was said by Peter McCormick and others. Uh, this, this quote, actually, I don't think was attributed directly to Peter McCormick, so excuse me, Peter. Somebody out there uh, stated that, multiple people stated this is an American thing, this is something you only see in America. Um, and he's not a Bitcoiner, but even Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, tweeted that, you know, tweeted the only in America line that uh, someone said that only in America do, a U.S. Senator representative said, only in America do children say, if I grow up, I want to be. Instead, when I grow up, I want to be. And that is just so arrogant. Uh, maybe maybe it's just because people are upset and they're justifiably outraged, or maybe they're just being manipulative. But, you know, a billion people on this planet don't even get to go to school. They don't even get to dream about what they're going to grow up to be. Uh, People in the United States are still extraordinarily privileged. And what happened yesterday was horrible. But to compare it and say it's the only, that only, this sort of heinous thing only happens in the United States when we have one of the, well, we have one of the worst education systems in the world, but we also have one of the best at the same time. It's kind of like the, the whole thing. Democracy is the worst form of government and the best form of government ever invented at the same time. But... Um, you know, remember, maybe some of you aren't old enough to remember when an entire school was wiped out in the former Soviet Union. Uh, some of you don't probably remember the knife attacks in China and uh, Japan where they wiped out like an entire kindergarten. Um, evil people do horrible things. And for some sick reason, they usually are drawn to, they are often drawn to doing it to children or the vulnerable, you know, serial killers seek out single women who were alone people bullies 
psychopaths, they never take on someone who's going to put up a fight. They always seem to go after the innocent and, they, and the people who can't fight back. So, um, you know, it's just disgusting and I don't want to talk about it anymore on this episode. But it rolls right into just this unending assault on all of our rights that have been going on recently. And a lot of it is linked to the internet, which emerged as a bastion of freedom. It liberated people. It brought information to people. It opened up worlds for people. It brought education to people who would you know, never have the opportunity to set foot in a school. You can audit MIT courses for free. Uh, you know, you can't, things that you couldn't have even dreamed about just a few years ago, the internet made possible. And now, almost instantly, at the flip of a switch in the last year, it seems like the internet has been twisted into a tool of oppression instead of a tool of freedom with people trying to control, you know, not just herd you into walled gardens, but put up these, like the Great Firewall of China where they they limit what you can see or like with that disgusting ministry of truth that the current administration, the Biden administration established. Fortunately, they backpedaled on, but you know that was only, you know, a publicity you know, that was only a, re a reaction to the backlash because of the negative publicity. It doesn't mean they've changed their minds. They are going to come after you and what you can do and you can say what you can say. The whole social credit score, the whole digital ID, you want to call it, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's all um, coming at you through what is, had, has been a great tool for freedom. And of course, the Internet is just a tool. Tools can be used for good and bad and so can Bitcoin. You know, the people like to throw the Bitcoins used only by criminals, blah, blah, blah thing around. And like I said, the Internet is just a tool. But right now, the Internet is being used to curtail our freedom. And that's just disgusting. And thank God that Bitcoin is fighting that. Because um, if Bitcoin were centralized, if it could be controlled, it would be bent to the will of those who want to control you as well. And that is why Bitcoin is such an incredible invention, if for no other reason is that it cannot be bent. Bitcoin doesn't change. Bitcoin doesn't change. It changes you, is the saying. And Bitcoin can't even be cannot even be changed by the most sociopathic and psychopathic control freaks out there. And that is really cool. All right. Um, I guess on to some more good news, maybe. Max Kaiser, speaking of the Cafe Bitcoin show, was on the Cafe Bitcoin podcast to announce a huge investment is being made into his El Zante capital. Think what you will about Max and Stacy. If nothing else, they're entertaining and they like to be where the action is. And where the action is right now is El, is, you know, is El Zante, is El Salvador. Some people might think of them as carpetbaggers. I've heard all kinds of accusations thrown around. But they're pumping money into El Salvador and they just announced a huge investment, hundreds of millions of dollars being made into their investment fund. And that is going to improve Bitcoin and that is going to improve people in El Salvador and throughout the world. So so that is really cool. And while it seems like a lot of the world is marching against us, Bitcoin is helping us march forward. Of course, it was just last week, speaking of El Salvador, that the finance leaders of 44 countries were meeting in El Salvador. And how cool was that to see them learning about Bitcoin and to using the Chivo wallet and learning directly from Chimbera about how Bitcoin has changed Bitcoin Beach and ultimately El Salvador. Um, so there is some good news and there are some really exciting things happening. It's hard to not let the, the negative, the bad things overshadow the good things, especially when uh, it especially in Bitcoin when price has been down and it's been sideways. 
Um, a bear market is just totally different than a bull market. And it is in some good ways and it is in some bad ways. Uh, and one of the good ways is we're going to get to add to our stack and we're going to get to do it a lot cheaper than we had been doing. And that is the reason, the main reason we are actually here today. It is DCA Wednesday. If you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 44th stack. We started stacking Bitcoin every Wednesday back on July 28th. Not quite a year from, not quite a year ago, but getting pretty darn close. So far, we've stacked 43 times. Um, and that 43 stacks at just $20 a time, at, we've, at just $20 a stack, has earned us a stash of 1,878,618 Satoshis. Today, we're going to add to that with another $20. Uh, as I mentioned, our regular interval is Wednesdays, and our equal portion is $20. If you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know every time I say the reason we chose $20 is because it is not a lot of money. Uh, for anyone listening to this podcast, for almost everyone listening to this podcast, $20 a week is a amount of money that you should be able to come up with. Most of you listening, uh, if you choose to DCA, will probably be DCAing more than $20. I chose $20 because I wanted to show that even if that is all you can afford to come up with, over time, it will build you a nice stack. Uh, and that you are, it is not too late, um, that you have not missed the boat. While we're not, you know, early, early, it is still early until Bitcoin is used by more than just the one or two percent of the population that's actually using it regularly. Uh, we have a long way to go. And uh, to continue this journey, we're going to stack another 20 bucks. So we're going to do, do so using the Cash App. The Cash App is not a sponsor of this show, but we do have a referral code in the show notes. And if you're not using the Cash App and you would like to use the Cash App and it's available to you, please consider clicking on that link. If you do, you'll get five bucks free just for signing up and using Cash App. We'll get five bucks too, and that'll help the show out. And the reason I like to use Cash App is because I usually don't keep any money on Cash App. There are a lot of perks to using it. For example, you can get a debit card um, linked to your Cash App and then uh, I don't like using my credit card when I go to touristy type places or places where you just know that there's a chance that you're going to get one of those letters in the mail saying, hey, you've used your credit card. We were hacked. There's a chance that you're going to be a victim of fraud or maybe someone just clones your credit card. Um, the nice thing about the Cash App is I keep it empty. So nobody can hose me by cloning that card. So if I'm out and about and I want to spend money, I can instantly add it to Cash App. And then they've got these neat little boosts. And almost every week I've had a boost where if you spend money on their debit card at any restaurant, you get you know, 5% uh, back in Bitcoin or, or some sort of discount. Uh, the Bitcoin ones are the ones I particularly like, though, because I go out to eat probably once a week and I get to use that boost and stack some sats for free. Sats, booch, by the way, we are not including in our tally of sats on this DCA podcast. I do buy the dip. I do stack outside of this podcast. Those sats are sequestered. We are keeping this stack pristine for data purposes so that uh, I can evaluate my journey uh, and that um, it isn't influenced by getting lucky and, and buying the dip or, or getting free sats back for going out to dinner. So uh, for the purpose of this show, our stack is only 
uh, only con- only constituted of our DCA Wednesday purchases. Of course, um, when Bitcoin does crash, we buy the dip, and hopefully you do too. But uh, that one million eight hundred seventy-eight thousand six hundred and eighteen sats is one hundred percent from stacking our twenty dollars every Wednesday on DCA Wednesdays. So we're going to open up the Cash App. I'm going to add money to the Cash App. I do that because I have my debit card, my regular debit card linked to the Cash App, the one that I don't like other merchants to see. And I can add 20 bucks, and it's available to use instantly. Uh, then you just tap on the little Bitcoin logo on the bottom hand, right-hand corner, tap Buy, enter $20, and click Confirm. And boom, just like that, we've bought another 65000 834 sats at a price of $29,695.90. And that is going to bring our stack total up to 1,944,452 sats. One more stack like today, and we'll be talking 2 million sats. And we did that all $20 at a time, and we did that in less than a year. More importantly, though, This purchase has dropped our average cost basis down to $45,256.97. That is down $521.36. Last week's stack dropped us more than $600. So the neat thing that we're seeing from DCAing, buying all the way down, is that, you know, because we did start last July on the way up, we have a a pretty high average cost basis, a pretty high average purchase price. Uh, and we've, we know that is because we've purchased as expensive as $65,969. Today will be our third cheapest purchase. Last week actually was the cheapest we've ever purchased. We bought it $28,944. So almost $1,000 cheaper um, than, uh, well, uh, about $800 cheaper than than this week. But this week's purchase nonetheless has dropped our average cost basis like I said, it's now $45,256. So if Bitcoin ever goes back up to its previous all-time high, the next halving cycle, we're going to be looking pretty. Um, so, so, so far, so good. Again, Bitcoin in general should be considered a long-term investment. Um, I don't ever plan on, stack, on selling my stack. This is generational wealth for me. Hopefully by the time we hit hyper-Bitcoinization, if you need to tap into your Bitcoin, there'll be ways to do so. There are already ways to do so uh, without actually spending it. Um, what the future holds remains to be seen. But uh, if you listen to people like Adam Meister and his um, 210,000 block theory, or if you just follow Bitcoin's history, the halving cycles, you know that Bitcoin's price has been up and to the right on average, um, something like 200% annually over its over its entire history. So. That 210,000 block theory that Adam Meister, who's at TechBald on Twitter, if you don't follow him, exposes that if you take any point in time for today, for example, and you go back 210,000 blocks, which is approximately four years, Bitcoin is worth more now than it was 210,000 blocks ago. And if you go forward 210,000 blocks from now, Bitcoin should be worth more than it is today. That has never not been true. Pick any date and time, look up what the price of Bitcoin was, and what the block height was, subtract 210,000 blocks, find that block and see what the current price of Bitcoin was that day. And it was going to be cheaper than it was 210,000 blocks later. So um, they say that you should hold Bitcoin for at least one halving cycle. I say you should hold it forever. 
or at least 10 years. But both Bitcoin in general and dollar cost averaging are long-term plays, and it is way too soon to judge whether this journey is a success or failure. And again, this podcast is not financial advice. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Hopefully you're enjoying following along as I stack and you're, you know, enjoying listening to the podcast and listening to my rants. And uh, maybe you're taking something positive away from that. But again, they say, do you do your own research? Certainly do not take advice from internet strangers, me included. Uh, Do your own research. Dive down that rabbit hole on your own. And uh, I think you'll find that Bitcoin, uh, it will change you and you will see if you, if you're not already, well, you're probably already a Bitcoiner if you're listening to me, but if you're just beginning your journey or if you're not sure because you just got in when we started this DCA journey and you're down, you're underwater, Bitcoin's worth less than it was, maybe you bought at the top, um, hopefully in a few months or a few years, this will be an old episode. You'll be looking back and you'll be able to say, wow, he was right. Look at, you know, how Bitcoin has changed, how much uh, Bitcoin has increased in value and in adoption since this podcast. This, this Hopefully this will be like a time capsule one day. Um, but nonetheless, um, we're going to keep stacking every Wednesday until Bitcoin either goes to the moon, Bitcoin goes to zero, or you just get bored and stop listening. Until then, keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.